BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. It's different when you're black and you are looking on a magazine shelf and you may see one cover of a person that looks like you, or even if you're flipping through any magazine for that matter, you can do that to this day. And the predominant people you will see do not look like you. It's something that's sort of ingrained into you at a young age, even when you're going to pick out makeup shades. A lot of times I would not have my foundation available just simply because they did not provide it or maybe they did not provide enough of it because they didn't expect people of my color to purchase it, stuff like that. You just, it's built into you very young. And so what I love about today's age is that we use social media to sort of share our grievances as well as our appreciation. So when a brand comes out and they have this new foundation line or concealer line and it's literally 10 shades of beige and then two are for darker skin. You are allowed to communicate that. And I love also the conversations we're having around diversity, what it means to be diverse. It's not just having one person of this shade, one person of that background. It's about actually showing the range and the, the spectrum of what it means to just be a person. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to RealPod, everybody. Hope you are doing fantastic. Special shout out to all my queens out there. Women's History Month, much love and respect to you for being the fabulous force of nature that you are. Honestly, I feel like this month has flown by, but you know what they say, time flies when you are celebrating badass women. Can I get a little what, what? Okay, now I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting embarrassed. I'm talking in a microphone by myself in my room right now, but you know, sorry, I get excited about hyping up women. And you know what? Today's guest is an inspiration to so many women, and I am excited for you to meet her and hear her story. Joining us today is the beautiful Tanae White. For those of you who don't know her, she is a sports illustrated model, mental health advocate, and a voice for diversity and inclusion. She quit her corporate job to pursue modeling full-time. And then a few months later, literally after quitting, she was chosen out of thousands and thousands of applicants to the top 16 for the SI swim search. Her modeling journey has been a whirlwind of highs and lows, but so has her life journey. She has struggled with mental health, depression, anxiety, and we are bringing you all that real talk today. I can't wait for you to hear Tanae's story. Right before we do, I want to give a special shout out to Bridge. Hey, Bridge. Hey, girl. Thanks for listening to RealPod. I know you listened last week. I saw your five-star review and your sweet comment that said, love Victoria and what she stands for. 
Also love her and Max. Remind me of me and my boyfriend and love the episode with Justin Anderson. Bridge, thank you for listening. It means the world to me. Justin was so great. And we have even more vulnerable talk coming to you today. If you have yet to review or rate RealPod, head to iTunes, leave me a comment and a review. It takes less than 10 seconds and every rating counts. And I would love to hear your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you have not already. New episodes every single Wednesday. Hit that subscribe button so you get that automatic download. Okay, without further ado, let's dive into today's episode with the fabulous Tanae White. Thank you so much for taking the time. I saw your comment on the video of Emily who came on my show, Emily DiDonato, who does SI. And your comment said something like, oh, I relate. And so I clicked on your profile and I saw all the stuff you post about mental health and representation and you're killing it. And I was like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I need to talk to this girl. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) So why is the conversation around mental health so important to you? Because that's definitely a theme. Like when I go to your page, I love how authentic you are about, you know, the various things that have happened in your life that are challenging and exciting. So what led you to the conversation on mental health? I think it came from a point of me being fed up with this pressure our generation has to be perfect, post the perfect picture, wear the perfect stuff. Like it's draining. And one day I just literally said, F it. Let me just like keep it real with everyone. Like I'm tired of, you know, living up to this facade and holding it up. I can't do it anymore. Like I'm literally going to break down if I keep having a fake smile. It was actually a few years ago when I first started talking about how I was uncomfortable with my body. And as much as people always compliment me for, you know, being a model and all this stuff, like I've always had insecurities with it. And then after I got a response from that, I was like, okay, let me see if I can really be open with everyone. And so I shared that I actually battled and continue to battle with depression. And then um, in my early teenage years, I actually was at one point in a suicidal state of mind. So it was um, something that was obviously sensitive for me to share. There's not many people who I do share that with, even family. But I was just sort of ready to like keep it real, especially since now, now in today's age, we are seeing a lot more conversations about it. It's, it's funny how you think that, you know, someone's having this perfect life and they're happy, but really they are broken down inside. They're going through battles you couldn't even imagine. And when I was 16 years old, I actually lost a friend to suicide. So it's always been something that's close to my heart. And I think as I got older, I just realized, you know what, let me show, you know, whoever's listening that you can still be successful and happy and also have a dark side. You can also be sad and have great success. You know, it's not just a one and done situation. There's no, I guess, like perfect way to frame what life and success and happiness looks like. We all go through stuff. And so that's sort of what I wanted to share in the mix, I guess, of what I do as a career as well. Just give an even balance. Like, no, this, this is real. This is what real life is like. Like, let's just break it down and get comfortable and, you know, talk about real stuff. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. And now the pressure to be perfect, that I think starts for a lot of us at a really young age. How old were you when you 
understood whatever the message was from society about how you were supposed to be and what was that message and how did it make you feel? <laughs> There's three, three big oh ones my God. That is such a good question. I feel like for me, it was very, very young. I was born in Baltimore up until I was five. And then I moved to Connecticut where I was literally the only black girl in town. And so it was a challenge and it sort of was like the shock factor of like, you know, going from being one of many to one of a few. And so when that happens, you start to sort of internalize thoughts and you overanalyze and you see different nuances like her hair is different from mine. Her skin color is different from mine. They make fun of my name more than they make fun of his name. You know, like little things like that just sort of, sort of, I guess, build you for, I guess, what to prepare for. I don't know if that really makes sense. I definitely was like, I don't want to say influenced, but I think my society and my surroundings definitely prepared me for sort of where we are today, where everything is supposed to be perfect and you fit into this and you fit into that. I've just always sort of had that as a part of my life. And then I think that as you sort of like become like a more of a public figure that just is like tenfold because you have people who look up to you. You have people who are waiting for you to do something to inspire them. It's a lot of pressure. At the time when you were just adjusting to your new life in Connecticut, did you feel like you had anyone to talk to about how you felt? Because when we're young, it's like we go through different things. And I think as kids were like, am I supposed to be feeling this way? Can I talk to someone about this? Am Mm -hmm. I like not cool or not smart because I'm struggling with this? Did you experience that? Definitely. I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone. Even like my parents, they sometimes I would sort of let them know things, but they wouldn't really understand it because my dad's from the Bronx. My mom's from inner city, Baltimore. Like they're, they've grown in like, you know, a very impoverished community. So their ideal for their children was for, you know, just to have them in like the best schools, go to college, X, Y, and Z. But like the, the, I guess, less um, tangible things like, you know, how's your mental health? Like being bullied, being made fun of, crying in the bathroom. Like you don't, you know, it's very hard to share those experiences with, you know, family or even friends. It's interesting how your parents here, they thought we're going to give her a life that we didn't have when we were her age but then you feel like you're very out of place and it's almost like it's a double-edged sword because parents do all they can to protect their child from maybe the suffering they experience. Yet you're in an environment where you recognize immediately that you don't feel at home here. Exactly. That was the exact thing. And you can never really fault your parents. Like I think every parents' goal is to make sure your child is better than you and have more than you had. And my parents certainly did that. I never wanted for anything, but I think mentally is where I really needed it. Mentally and emotionally, especially when, you know, you're a token, you know, a token black girl. Um, I never even fit in with like the the few black kids who are in, in my school because they, you know, spoke differently than me. Like I talked like, you know, Oreo and like just all this stuff. I was nerdy and like i you know, just listen to rock and like, <laughs> I just didn't fit in anywhere. You know what I mean? So it was definitely challenging when, you know, you have so many things working against you and, you know, unless you see someone who is just like you and you're like, Hey, you're like me, let's, let's bond together. If you don't see that, it's very hard for you to understand that you can actually, you know, be vulnerable and share, you know, some, some of your, the not so pretty things of your life with others. I do want to touch on when you mentioned being in a 
state where you were so depressed that you did have those suicidal ideations and those thoughts because Mm -hmm. I think that getting out of that place is huge. And when you are in it, it feels like you will never leave that place. So what were some of the things that helped you get away from that mindset and shift towards seeing the love and the beauty in life that, you know, you just described? You're going to think I'm calling bullshit when I say this. (laughs) Did you have like a magical experience? I did. I really did. It came to a point where, so I guess a long story short, the, there was one day, I want to say it was maybe January where I decided that I did not want to live anymore. And it was sort of like an internal battle because I also, and this is when I was like 16, maybe 17. And it was the internal battle for me because as much as I did not want to live anymore, I also felt this pit in my stomach that saying you are meant for so much more than you know where you're at right now. So what I decided to do was started bawling my eyes out in, in my AP US history class. And I decided, you know what, let me go talk to my guidance counselor, let her know what's going on. So I talked to my guidance counselor. She said, okay, well, I have to obviously tell your parents, but you know, are you okay to continue with school? Do you want to go home? And I was like, you know, I actually don't want to go home. I'd just rather be here because in the back of my head, if I'm going home, it's probably not going to be good. So I go home at the end of the school day. Um, my parents talked to me. Um, they, you know, asked me about my mental state and things like that. And, you know, we do have a conversation. It was the first time we ever had a conversation about mental health. But I must admit, I did not feel better after that conversation. I was still in the dark, still very sad, very angry, rage, just all these different things. It was like a hurricane of just darkness. That probably lasted for another year after that. And then it wasn't until my senior year in January, coincidentally, I went to bed sad, very, very sad. One day I wake up and I just feel lighter. And I think to myself, hmm, I don't don't feel sad today. This is different. Maybe this will, you know, just be like a one day thing. Go to bed next night, wake up. I feel happy. And I... It's one thing where like you, you are, you are acting as if you're happy. You are smiling. You are laughing with your friends. You are doing all the acts of happiness, but it's another thing to feel it. This was the first time in years that I had felt happy, like truly throughout my whole body. And I just, every day I would go to bed and I'd be like, I wonder if I'll feel this way tomorrow. And it basically a month went by. I was just I just didn't have those feelings of like wanting to be gone. And so I like to tell people who ask me this question that I believe I truly was touched by an angel because I would pray every night for God to take the sadness away. I would pray for some miracle to happen. I just didn't want to be sad anymore. And whatever needed to be done to remove that sadness, I was for it. And I just didn't expect me to ever feel like I had value or mattered. And so I truly think that I was either touched or, (laughs) you know, covered by an angel who could just, you know, for a small time, show me like, hey, like, it's okay. You, you know, you matter, you have value, you're meant to be here. And I think sort of after like a month or so, those like euphoric feelings subsided and I sort of mellowed out, but I, I just never really went back to that dark tunnel that I was in. I hate that that sounds so cliche because I wish I could help others who have been through that. But I think at the end of the day, 
is really just about holding on, keeping faith and finding the small things in your life on a day-to-day basis that make you happy. Whether it's you can breathe a big, you know, sigh of or sniff of air and it's fresh air or you look on the ground and you see a flower or it's warm today and you love being warm. Like just little things like that can really help you move along until you get in a place where you finally feel like, you know, you're, you're worth more than your mind was telling you again. However you got your breakthrough, I'm sure people are just happy you had your breakthrough. And also you said you wish you had an answer to help people. I mean, I think your story is a story of hope. And I think someone listening to that might think, well, maybe tomorrow will be the day that I wake up and it's different like it was for today. Or maybe tomorrow something's going to happen and maybe they don't wake up and they have the exact same experience as you, but maybe it's a phone call from someone or an opportunity that is that hope that that changes them. And I really love the way that you kind of illustrated that the depression leaving you because I so relate to just, it is like something inside of you is off and you can smile and you can put on the face and go to the dinner and do the thing, but you don't feel it. And it's just such a gnarly, heavy, invisible feeling. And oh, when that is gone from you and my healing from depression was different than yours, but eventually I did get to that place of light. It's just such a wonderful life to live. And you think back on the dark hole and you think, how, how did I think those things when I was there? I can't believe I was there. Yes. And you think of people who are there now and you're like, I promise, like yes. <laughs> there's going to be better life, you know? <laughs> yes. 100%. It really gets better. Like, hold on. Like you literally have so much greatness behind you or in front of you. And like, even for myself today, like I sometimes like when I'm just chilling, I'll think like, um, you know, all the things I've gone through in life and I'll think like to myself, like, wow, I'm really glad I did not take my life like 10, 12 years ago. Like the 16 year old me would not have been able to even dream of the stuff that I've accomplished. Like she would be so excited. You know what I mean? And I mm. feel like everyone should feel that way. Like no matter what age you are, no matter what you've gone through, there is always, always, always a brighter tomorrow. It might be a little foggy for a little while still, but your, your sun is coming for sure. Oh, I love that so much. Did these feelings and notions follow you into later in high school and college? Or when did you start kind of stepping into your own? Clearly now it's extremely (laughs) empowering. You radiate confidence, but what was continuing on like? That's such a great question. I, those feelings definitely lessened me all the way into to college, if I'm being very honest with you. But I think that I started having a voice of my own, maybe towards the end of my high school career. I was doing really well. I had like broken a few sports records at my high school. I did track and field. And as I'm sure you know, sports really does help to build confidence. I was a very shy girl, very introverted, but thanks to, you know, being a varsity cheerleader and, you know, doing track and gymnastics, those are the things that really helped me to get the courage to sort of stand up and, you know, be proud of myself and sort of pride myself on what I could accomplish. Um, But I think that I want to say like towards the end of my junior years, when I like started to like speak out more and like, if there was a bully, I would like, you know, sass right back at them and like all types of stuff where like, I could really like finally feel like, okay, well, if no one has my back, at least I have my back. And then I think that even like in college where like you have 
such a community of people coming from all different states and backgrounds and places of the world. Like everyone is sort of feeling in that space where like, oh yeah, I'm different. They're different. He's different. And you can sort of bond over the fact that you're all unique, which is why I love college so much. I wish I could do it over again. Maybe not the exams. I do it over again, but. And you went to Georgetown, right? I did for my master's. Oh, wow. Fantastic. I saw that (laughs) casually on your Instagram. I'm like, wait, and she's a genius. (laughs) But yeah, I I love that aspect about college because you grow up in these small towns. Most of us do. And we're just used to our community, the the people our parents are friends with, the people we are friends with for eight, 10 years. And you get to college. And like I roomed with a stranger I'd never met and from a completely different lifestyle than me. And it's really eye-opening. You realize how sheltered you've been, whether it's in like a good way or a bad way. Like one type of life feels so far off, far off just because you've yeah. only known one thing. Exactly. And once I had a taste of what it was like to be in like such an environment, I just never wanted to go back home. And I pretty much did it. We're going to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, Aura Organic, a plant-based organic nutrition company with everything from protein powder and pre-workout to ingestible beauty supplements. They care about making healthy living fun and accessible and easy while harnessing the earth's most powerful plants to transform your health. Aura Organic prides themselves on trying to provide the cleanest nutritional products around, and they've gone the extra mile to prove it. Every single one of their products is third-party tested for heavy metals and purity, and all these test results are available to the public on their website. On top of that, their products contain no hidden ingredients. So each product page on their website allows you to look through every ingredient on every product and see exactly what purpose that ingredient serves. I specifically wanted to talk about Aura Organics pre-workout powder called Renewable Energy. It's USDA certified, organic, and even vegan, and it's formulated to give you a boost of feel-good energy, not the jittery or crash later type energy. They've also included nitric oxide boosting fruits and veggies, which can help support blood flow to key muscle groups and vital organs, supporting strength and endurance. Renewable Energy comes in three delicious flavors, beet pomegranate, raspberry lemonade, and ceremonial matcha, so delish. Head to www.aura.organic and start your wellness journey today and take 15% off your purchase when you use code REALPOD at checkout. But that's not all. If you decide to purchase a subscription, you'll receive an additional 20% off, totaling 30% off total when you use code REALPOD at checkout. Head to www.aura.organic today and use code REALPOD. Hi, I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra. My passion, calling, and job is really all about blending together holistic practices with real evidence-based science to help people around the world cultivate more optimism, success, and resiliency. You won't want to miss this new podcast as you'll get to hear from elite athletes, recording artists, couples, and maybe even my toddler. So if you're into arming yourself with some new practical happiness tools, join me on Mondays for your morning optimism dose. Oh, and don't forget, things are looking up. And so when did modeling become a passion of yours? I honestly want to say it's always been a passion of mine, but my parents always pushed me to, you know, pursue education, put that first. And so that's why I have a master's. <laughs> um, but uh, even as a kid, I remember in first grade, we had this project where we had to like list our favorite things, like your favorite color, your favorite food. What do you want to be when you grow up? I think it's somewhere downstairs in the basement. But what I said I wanted to be was a model. I think creativity was always something that was naturally in me, like always like to color and draw and great at drawing. And like, 
I played the cello for a little while. Like I was always like very creative, but I think when I want to say around the MySpace age <laughs> is when I started to really get into it. I uh, liked to take pictures of myself, edit them in Photoshop. That's actually sort of how I got into the career that I had in corporate America, where I was a social media manager for a defense and aerospace company. Like I just had skills that I had been starting when I was like 14 years old. And I just built it up until then. But I would model casually here and there for friends or like, you know, just around town. But I don't think it was until I actually, I didn't take it seriously until I tried out for the Sports Illustrated swim search for sure. Oh my gosh, that is so exciting. And that was semi-recently. I know like in 2018, 2019, was that your first time with SI? Yes. So things have happened for you really fast. When was the negative experience with your mental health? Was that kind of when you were in the corporate world, realizing you didn't have a passion Is that still something you deal with now? Mm -hmm. I mean, like I sort of mentioned, the mental health aspect of my life has sort of been a thread throughout my entire life. But I will say that once I did get into, I guess, in a a more advanced stage in my career in corporate America, um, I did notice that I started getting a lot of anxiety. And at first, I did not know that it was anxiety. I just thought it was lots of stress but I could feel it physically manifesting in my chest. It sort of felt like I was having a heart attack and I went to urgent care a couple of times and they're like, yeah, this is actually probably stress-induced anxiety. And here you go. This is how you can help, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I sort of connected it to the fact that it was always happening as I was on my way to work, like on my commute, driving, mm-hmm. just randomly, all of a sudden my chest would I'm like, what is going on? And it would happen for like maybe a month or two before I actually went to the doctor because it was one point where I had a presentation and it was so hard for me to get through because my chest was on fire. So literally right after my presentation, I had to go to urgent care and that's when they diagnosed me and all this stuff. And I I was just sort of like in in shock because I feel like I probably always had anxiety my entire life, especially being, you know, a kid who is very shy and introverted in social spaces. I, oh, they made me cringe. But I think that when it comes to, I guess, mental health and awareness and all that stuff in where I am right now, it's not as bad. And I'm so thankful for that. If anything goes to show, use my life as an example, put your your health before anything else. It's okay. If you don't get that work project done, it'll be there for you later. <laughs> <laughs> take care of yeah. yourself. Work-life balance is so important. And I think even as a model, it's very important too, because we're under a lot of pressure to eat right and look right. And, you know, sometimes you may go down an unhealthy path, but at the end of the day, your health is your wealth mentally and physically. So you just always have to take that, you know, so seriously and, you know, treat it like your body is gold, just treat it as such. Had you struggled with kind of body image and navigating that, especially going from Because you went from being in the corporate world to two weeks later being signed, right, by Wilhelmina, like literally (laughs) jumping into high fashion modeling. Did you feel prepared for that? Did you have to navigate, go down some paths and then realize it wasn't working for you? Mm -hmm. This is a big transition and there's lots of pressure, like you said. There's so much pressure. And it's so funny because growing up, I was always like picked on for being too skinny, too skinny, too skinny, too skinny. And then I, you know, got into sports and I was able to like get muscles and like, you know, fill up my figure a little bit. And then it came to a point where fast forward, I'm, you know, in the modeling world, I've never had an agent tell me that I need to lose weight. I've never had them tell me you're too muscular or anything like that. But sort of seeing the girls around me 
and their success, their track record, I was like, okay, if I want to be successful like that, I need to look like that. So it was always internal pressure for me to want to either slim down my arms, which I've always been insecure about because they're so strong. Or like, I love them. <laughs> Isn't it? It's always, it's, it's always like that though. You, it's always. always what someone else has and not what you have. Always. And like, I, I don't know, uh, even like so far as like, you know, um, doing liquid diets, I wouldn't even call it a diet, but like a, a cleanse, liquid cleanses and all this crazy stuff. And it came to the point where actually pretty recently I was like, you know what? This body has got me this far. I've done some pretty cool shit. Let me keep it going. I'm healthy. I like my body. I like the way I look. Let me just not talk so badly to myself for two seconds. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how you didn't actually have someone tell you you need to lose weight or change, yet you just registered that message from like society and the things around you? And I think a lot of times people, whether it's with body image or how they have to be perfect or what they have to achieve in life. It's like, it's just indirectly and quietly communicated to you from things outside of you. But it's like, we go back to the very first thing we're talking about. It's this pressure we put on ourselves. When did you have, you mentioned the word awareness, which is one of my favorite words ever. When did you have (laughs) the awareness to look back on your life and put the pieces in of, huh, wow, I really didn't feel included or represented in my community growing up or wow, I really wasn't just, uh, having heart issues. I was extremely anxious about my job. When did those revelations start to happen for you? I think from a diversity and inclusion type of perspective, I was aware of it very young. It's different when you're black and you are looking on a magazine shelf and you may see one cover of a person that looks like you, or even if you're flipping through any magazine for that matter, you can do that to this day. And the predominant of people you will see do not look like you. It's something that's sort of ingrained into you at a young age, even when you're going to pick out makeup shades. A lot of times I would not have my foundation available just simply because they did not provide it, or maybe they did not provide enough of it because they didn't expect people of my color to purchase it, stuff like that. You just, it's built into you very young. And so what I love about today's age is that we use social media to sort of share our grievances as well as our appreciation. So when a brand comes out and they have this new foundation line or concealer line, and it's literally 10 shades of beige and then two are for darker skin, you are allowed to communicate that. And then usually brands, you know, Act accordingly. I love that. And I love also the conversations we're having around diversity, what it means to be diverse. It's not just having one person of this shade, one person of that background. It's about actually showing the range and the the spectrum of what it means to just be a person. And at the end of the day, the people you are selling to do not look like the magazine ads that we're used to seeing. So I love that we have conversations now where we're talking about, you know, different body shapes, different body types, what is good to praise and not, and not so good to praise and sort of bad habits that we've been sharing that we may not actually know can be harmful, you know, to yourself and to others. For example, um, you know, people say, oh my God, you lost so weight. You look so good. 
So are you saying that I did not look good before because I did not lose weight? Does that mean that I can Mm -hmm. only be thinner to be attractive? I think there's just a lot of conversations now about that, which I really love. We have so much, obviously, so much work to do, so much work ahead of us. But I love the fact that the conversations are started and we are now aware and are, I guess, comfortable enough as a society to address those needs and desires. I have to ask, and I, I guess I think about how it must feel to see the world have a light bulb go off like in 2020 and you're thinking this has been my entire life and now you guys join in. And I also saw on one of your Instagram posts, you said black models. Yes, it's 2020 and you still need to pack your own makeup and arrive with your hair already done. And that just reading that because I'm sure no white model has ever had to do her own hair for a cover shoot. Not likely. <laughs> so, I mean, there has to be frustration. Yes. And to this day, I still have to do it. <laughs> that, yeah. It's crazy. I, I mean, I could go, don't even get me started on hair and makeup. <laughs> I could go on for hours. I don't want to say that it's frustration that people are finally waking up to, you know, the realities that other people of color have to go through. I think it's more of a relief. Like, finally, we can talk about this. Finally, like you can, I can, you know, address it and you not refer to me as being angry or aggressive or, you know, anything like that. I I love the fact that we can finally have the discussion, finally talk about it like adults. But I will say what is frustrating to me is seeing these conversations happen, seeing brands, especially over the last, in 2020, we saw lots of companies from across every industry address saying we're going to do better to make sure we are inclusive and diverse and we hear you we stand with you you know we love you we care for you we are going to make effort to strive for better and fast forward to now maybe 20% of those brands have followed through maybe you know and i think for me it's one thing to have diverse models in your campaigns, whether it be plus size, straight size, men, women, black, white, Asian, everything. That's beautiful. But what really needs to be addressed is the people behind the lens, the editors, the executives, the creative directors. Those are the people who have the true power and the weight to change the way we are. When you have a team, let's say, for example, that is all white and you are hiring models to be more diverse. So you have one of every background. A lot of times, and I've been on sets where this has happened, you sort of forget the small details that really make you diverse. You forget that, hey, yeah, maybe we should actually hire a hairstylist that has experience in both straight and curly hair. Hey, yeah, actually, that makeup artist portfolio actually caters to fairer skins. Maybe we should hire someone who has a diverse range of experience working with all different skin skin types so the black girl doesn't come off ashy on camera. There's those little nuances that creative teams should be aware of and hyper aware of. When your team itself is not diverse, you don't see those needs. You don't see those desires. You may send out an email 
to your customers saying, you know, happy Black History Month, something, something. And then maybe in that email, it's something offensive regarding Black people, but you don't know because your team just didn't have that, the, the inclusiveness <laughs> to, you know, bring, to, to understand what you're saying. You know, it's yeah. sort of like a checks and balances. And I think we can avoid a lot of the hiccups we see, even with like some of like the high fashion brands who, you know, we've seen evidently do a lot of stuff that may have been a little bit controversial. You know, it just sort of speaks to the fact that there's always a need to have people of varying backgrounds, varying ages, you know, just everything so that we can really understand and touch the hearts and not be so stale, I guess. I feel like the lack of diversity and inclusion is like so 80s, like we're past that. Let's get into 2021. (laughs) Right. And no matter how much someone educates themselves or thinks they're checking the box on paper of like representation, you will just never understand. I will just never understand what it feels like to be you because I'm not you. And so we have to put people like you in the positions of power who can make these decisions for the better. So I think that's a fantastic point, right? It's not about just putting up a front. It's like changing the foundation and the thing that's at the core because that's going to be prolonged change. The other thing that really hit deep, just looking through all of your accomplishments and, and all your content is how you had this huge breakthrough, it seems, in your life in 2019. And then heading into 2020, it was like, this is going to be my year of red carpets. And just, I mean, you were on the cusp of, I mean, you accomplished amazing things, but it was right on the right cusp there. of all that. And then bam, <laughs> pandemic, the political issues, everything happening. Like, did you have to cry and cry? Did you mourn <laughs> that? Like, how did you navigate it? Because you've dealt with your mental health issues before. Mm-hmm. And this was a really difficult year we just got through. Yeah, 2020 was definitely a year that was meant for so many promising things. And oh, we just had to let those hopes go. <laughs> I think for me, at first it was devastating because I think when the pandemic was first happening, we're thinking, oh, okay, a few months. Okay, even maybe by the end of the year, okay. But as the year progressed and, you know, we had social and political issues happening and like so much unrest on every front, you start to realize, okay, this is not going away. We're deep in the weeds of it. And there's no light at the end of the tunnel right now. For me, it was really challenging. First to understand that, like, literally, I have to put my everything I've worked for on the back burner. Like, I can't even push it forward if I wanted to. There's nothing I can do. It's out of my hands. I think the out of my hands part was so challenging for me because I'm a person who likes control. I like to see what's next. I like to be able to contribute to what I have planned and there's no plan. You can't plan anything when there's a pandemic. And then I think when the summer hit and we had the murder of George Floyd and we saw, you know, news come out about Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor It was really disheartening for me, especially because I have been in situations where I've been discriminated against. Um, I've been in situations where I've been, you know, treated badly based on this color of my skin. Um, When you see that happen, leading to the death of someone who looks just like you, who looks like your mom, looks like your dad, looks like your brother, it's hard to not feel as if they're family. And it's hard not to mourn it as if they're your family. But I think what was really the the nail in the coffin for that, that whole situation was the fact that there were people justifying what happened. And I'm a person who's like, 
I don't care what you do with your life. I support you in every way you want to live. Just don't ever hurt anyone. But do whatever you do to be happy. I think under hurt falls hate. And just hate is just something that is just such a waste. There's just no need. Like life is so short. It's long, but it's so short. And why waste your time being hateful? Why waste your time worrying about someone else's life when you can just do your best to live yours to the fullest? So for me, that's when I decided I had to be a little more vocal about the things I've been seeing, both in the modeling industry, both in corporate America and just in in my local neighborhood. Like, it's just very hard to walk around acting like everything's okay when it's not. And I think that in itself is stress-inducing and anxiety-inducing. So I decided to be a bit more vocal about, you know, where I stand with things, you know. A lot of people had to have that conversation because at the end of the day, you want to make sure you are careful not to offend the clients you work with or, you know, whoever's hired you and obviously family and friends as well. But I think the bigger decision is to communicate what's right and what's wrong. And that is something that's very important for me. And I think that sort of harping back to what we talked about with this need to live a perfect life. I can't fake like everything is okay and perfect and I don't see it when it's literally right in front of my face on the news 24-7. And so I, 2020 overall was very challenging. I lost family members this past year. Just seeing, you know, family and friends just struggle, hurt on every level, it's, it changes you. And I think that as much as I hated 2020, I love it for the fact that it's made me sort of get back to self and really focus on what's important. Um, Family, friends, love, life, health. (laughs) And I think that moving forward, especially in 2021, we have the opportunity to learn from the mistakes of 2020 and, you know, do better for not only ourselves, but for the people around us. So I'm really hoping that even though 2021 did start off rocky, (laughs) I'm hoping that we can move into a direction where there is hope and I guess, yeah, just hope back in the community, back in the world, honestly. Thanks for sharing because it's difficult to talk about and also reflect on like things that could have been and weren't and things that were really tragic, that were really unexpected. And everyone felt that year somehow to different severities, of course. Yes. But there is that pressure like with the new year. Now it's going to be March and it's like, okay, well, that was so long ago. I need to forget the pain, forget the sadness, the things that happened. But it's like, no, you know, we might still be feeling that. We might still be mourning that. That's part of life and it's okay. Now, when you think about some of those amazing things you've done, like SI modeling and um, Victoria's Secret and signing with these amazing agencies, how do you keep your spirits high when there is no accomplishment, new accomplishment or new success Mm -hmm. around? When it's now been X amount of months since the last exciting deal? That's such a good question. I think for me, number one is working out. It helps you to get your mind off things. It helps you to sort of navigate through any feelings you have. When I'm feeling low, I'll realize, when's the last time I've actually ran? And then I'll go run around the block. I actually live by the beach. So I'll run to the beach, sit on the beach, meditate, listen to the waves, run back home, like do whatever you can to get those endorphins going because that is so crucial to your mental health. 
But then from like a creative perspective, I'm a person who always likes to be doing something. So obviously this past year was very hard where the things I want to do are on hold because we are all in a pandemic. Um, So I recently started getting, or not even getting, because I've always liked it, sort of picked back up on my love for photography. And so I've been getting into that more. And like, I think in my future, I definitely could see myself behind the camera, sort of like doing that creative direction. I love it so much. And I've always been a person who's been into like nerdy things like Spyro and video games and drawing and cartoons and all that stuff. And I think if I can take whatever I have in my head and put it into the picture frame and make that happen, oh my God, that would be so cool. So I think that'll probably be a growing aspiration of mine over this next year as we're all still healing. (laughs) It's cool. It sounds like you have lots of interests and things you want to explore and you don't like really keep yourself in a box of Mm -hmm. one or two things that you do. And I really love that. I think it's something a lot of people can take away from hearing you speak is you can do a million different little things and you don't have to just do one thing or because you did this doesn't mean you can't do that. Exactly. And it doesn't even have to be creative. Like obviously I'm a model, so I'm coming from a creative space. But another thing that I've really gotten into is like watching the stock market and like dabbling in investments, which I feel like most people would not expect from a model. But like sort of what you're saying, like it it doesn't have to be anything huge. It doesn't have to be anything like small. It could be whatever. Like if you always thought about real estate and how that happens, like just watch like a webinar, like they're free, they're one in a million. And then maybe you can go from there and get your license. Like I think what's beautiful as much as it's stressful right now, what's beautiful is that it's taken the time that we're now has allowed us to sort of take a step back and sort of think about things that we really haven't really put too much time into. Like, oh yeah, I always wanted to write that book. Oh yeah. I always wanted to, you know, become a singer and, you know, maybe put my voice on something, you know, like this is the time to do it now. So whatever was in the back of your head, bring it to the front. This is the time. Cause once we get back to normal, you're not going to have time. So start dabbling now. <laughs> I love it. I also feel like it's like the world was like on the brink of ending. So we kind of <laughs> realized that, Oh, we're, if the world's going to keep spinning, then I might as well, you know, do what I want to do. Because if, if the world ended the way 2020 did, I think there's a lot of people who'd be like, Nope, this could not be the end for exactly. me. Exactly. Like, effort. This is the year year of effort. Okay. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. 2021 is going to be. Tanae, thank you so much. I just loved speaking with you and thanks for being so vulnerable and real. And I really appreciate your time and coming on RealPod today. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.